What's up, everybody? Welcome back to episode two of the Meta Minds podcast. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend and colleague, uh, Emotional Mo. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? You know, doing well, doing well. By the time this episode comes out, CCG Hub will have been live for a little over a week. So yeah. I am probably doing better if you're listening to this now <laughs> than I am right now. But, um, yeah. Um, that yeah. just sounds crazy that all that's like, what are your thoughts? Can we get so you can look back at this and be like, oh, this is how I was feeling on this day a week before it launched. Oh, stressed, but in like very positive ways, right? Like, yeah, um, stressed because we have so much happening and so much going on and so much that needs to be done. But like, mm -hmm. it's all good things, right? Like, yeah. Um, Let's see, by the time this airs, it'll be happen. It will have already happened, right? So I can say it. Um, so <laughs> it's, you know, like we have a huge creator event coming up. Like we have a, a, a content creator tournament to kind of celebrate the launch of the website. And um, also like we're trying to do just like at least one content piece a day for the first like 10 days basically of launch. And so finalizing, like I have three videos at 99%. So it's like, I just need to go finish those, put, get them to a hundred percent. I need to like mm -hmm. make, finish making like live stream graphics and finalizing some stuff on the website. So it's just, there's a lot going on. And I, I told, uh, I told someone uh, close to me, I was like, Hey, I'm not going to be sleeping a lot this week. So if I call you and I'm like, Hey, wake me up in three hours. Like I literally have somebody who's going to drive to my house to wake me up. If I don't wake up in three <laughs> hours, like, that's my sleep schedule this week is literally like I'm rationing myself to three hours of sleep every night so that we like make sure we hit these deadlines. But like we're going to do it. It's it's going to be fine. But that's I'm excited for I'm excited for the launch. And I'm sure by the time you're listening to this that I'm in a much better place and I've gotten more than three hours of sleep. So <laughs> that's the good news. <laughs> that's good. That's dedication. Only three hours of sleep. That's crazy. So. Uh, too much to do, man. Too much to do. I, I do it for all of you, though. It's uh, it's exciting. And I'm excited to, to kind of. This has been, you know, CCG has been in the works for, oh, nine months now, almost 10 months that we've been working on this. And mm -hmm. so to like finally be at the finish line of like, okay, we're ready to go live to the public. We're ready to, you know, actually do this thing. It's, uh, it's crazy, but it's a, it's a good kind of crazy. So, yeah. Yeah. But, um, that's not what we're here to talk about tonight. We are here to talk tonight all about matchups so yep this is episode two and episode one you know we talked about inevitability does it exist in different card games and then how do you analyze matchups now that we've talked about you know how to analyze those matchups let's talk about how to play them right so yeah. um we'll, we'll go through good match good matchups bad matchups and then you know how to play to your outs and what does that even mean so that's kind of the agenda for tonight so i guess let's just let's just dive into topic number one right and sure. uh, topic number one, and I'll, I'll send it over to you first, is, you know, how do you deal with bad matchups? Sure. So I think the way I personally have approached bad matchups has been two uh, ideas. And it kind of changed depending on what game I play um, can make you lean towards one of the two ideas. But for the most part, there's been two ideas of how I have approached bad matchups. Um, one is I try to approach them before the actual game by saying, like, OK, well, this is my deck's bad matchups. Can I build my deck in a way to kind of make that matchup a little bit more even, a little bit more favored for me? So that's the first thing you can do in these uh, bad matchups is try to attack them outside the game first to make the bad matchup. You, you probably can't make it super great, but you can probably make it a lot 
better than like what the average bad matchup percentage is. Or two, um, the other thing you can do is just say like, I'm not going to tech for this matchup at all. I'm just going to go crazy. I'm going to understand how to play the matchup. I'm going to, you know, scrim in a whole bunch, understand what your win condition is, and just really, really try to play to that instead. And sometimes you'll come to find out your win condition is just pretending your opponent doesn't exist, play a bunch of cards, and hope they have nothing, right? Um, and is that a good game plan? It's like, no, but it's the only way you found in testing that it's going to win, so sometimes you just have to do it. So those are really the two ways I try to go about dealing with the bad matchups. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I think you said something there that I just like, yes, like prepare for it outside of your game, right? Like mm -hmm. if you're trying to figure out how to play a matchup in your in a tournament, like it's too late at that point. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You have to attack it like, okay, where is it weak? How, and where does my deck shine against it? Right? Like mm -hmm. it's a card game. So yes, you're, you're going to win against that deck. You know, if they draw poorly, if they, you know, just don't draw what they need and they don't, they fumble themselves, you know, like as mm -hmm. long as you don't, then you're going to be fine. But it's exactly that, right? Like how do, how does your deck win and how do you get there? I, I think back to like when I was playing magic very heavily, I would scrim against decks that I did really like my, I had a bad matchup. I would scrim it more than anything else yeah. because um, like my good matchups, they're good. I don't really need to know how to beat them harder. Right. I'm already going to beat them if I play well. Um, and there's like 50, 50 matchups, you know, definitely spend time on those as well, because you need to know how to win. It's just exactly what you said, knowing what your win con is and how do you, how do you put yourself in the best position to achieve that win condition? Um, yeah. so yeah, I mean, that, I, I agree. I think preparing for it outside of the matchup, like finding somebody who plays the deck at a high level and telling, like having them tell you, like, here's how you beat me. Cause they know how they lose more than anyone else. Cause they lose with the deck more than they, more than you do. Right. So it's like, right. how, how do you lose? When are you in a bad position? And like, they'll help you beat them. Right. Well, if they're a friend, right. I wouldn't ask your opponent <laughs> at the table, but um, yeah, but that probably won't go over. So he's like, Hey, how do I beat you again? And I'd be like, <laughs> uh, do exactly all this stuff and just do the opposite of what they say. <laughs> exactly but yeah I, I think preparing for it before you need it and then um just knowing what your win condition is and then and then putting yourself in the best position to to do that right um the other part like you said there's the other option of you know i don't care because like there are certain matchups where you can do that right where it's like okay well i know if i um you know if i just they they fizzle out they have a really strong early game and a terrible late game i just need to like survive their early onslaught and like that's your bad matchup which is something we yeah. talked about in episode one too but if like okay if that's your matchup and it's really bad for you because they have a you know 90 percent chance to beat you before turn five or whatever yeah and it's like okay i know it, that affects every decision that you make from the moment you like mulligan or not right it's like is this hand fast enough to like deal with their early stuff do i have enough maybe creatures to deal with like their early you know one drop low drop creatures do I have enough, you know, counter spells or gain health spells, right? Like figuring out how to just survive um, it, it, to get to that late game. I mean, if that's the way you win that matchup, then that's the way you win that matchup. If you're when if the way you win a bad matchup is drawing exactly this one card, okay, like if it's in my opening hand, if it's not in my opening hand, do I have enough draw to like help me get there and like help me get to that position? So I think yeah. knowing how what your win con is and then putting yourself in the position to win because like you can't just need to stabilize on turn five and then keep like all five drops in your hand right you're never you're never going to win that matchup in that way right knowing what it is and then putting yourself in the best position from as early in the game as your like draw phase right um that's that's the way that i always approach them yeah i think 
the one of the most important things you can do, and it's kind of something I went over in a lot in episode one, which is kind of just master your deck. And part of that is not only just mastering your deck, but mastering the matchups of the deck. Actually, not really playing, but watching a guide, sometimes playing the deck that you're bad against or the matchups you're not very good against, you want to practice, is just as important as playing your deck and understanding how your deck functions. Because if you're just playing one side of the matchup, you can kind of figure out like, oh, well, if I do X, Y, Z on the first couple turns, then I can set up to do good stuff. And sometimes you can kind of forget what the other deck can do, or sometimes you just might not know what the other deck is capable of because it could be some sort of intricate deck. And you say like, oh, well, if you try to do ABC, then I can counter it with like one, two, three. And then now it's just like this a lot more in-depth matchup than you originally thought, just looking at it from one side. And that's really where... Um, uh, Scrimming versus a friend comes in, or at least scrimming versus someone that's a really, really good at your deck, at that deck you're trying to get, is obviously the best thing you can do. But um, really just learning what that other deck does, how it functions, can help you beat it. Even if you're not interested in playing it, if you're like, I absolutely hate this deck, I, I'm never going to play it in a tournament, I'm never going to play it on my fun time, on my free time, anything like that at least play it a little bit so you understand how it functions more in depth than like every, every deck has a very baseline of like, oh, like if you're playing Tron in Magic the Gathering, you're like, well, obviously I'm just going to draw three lands and play big guy on turn three. But the deck could do a lot more than that. It's a little bit more intricate. So learning the little bit intricacies and just a little bit under just the surface of the very baseline stuff will help you learn and play those matchups a lot better than you would have been able to play them before that. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I used to do that. So I think there's two things, right? I used to do that with my my friends and, and roommates at the time. Was like, okay, we would be scrimming and I would be like, okay, let me just play your deck and you play mine. And then I would play it from their side of the matchup. And I think that's really important and a, a good call out. Um, and then the other part too is is like, if you don't have a scrim partner, right? Because not everyone has, you know, a scrim partner or a team that they can go practice with. The way that, because I, I think back to like, I... Uh, you know, I just got done playing like Hearthstone all the way to Legend for the first time, mm -hmm. and I had a really bad matchup in that in that game. Right, like I was playing Hound Hunter, and I had a terrible matchup against like this Death Knight deck, and it was actually my game to get into Legend, which is really funny. But I I came across this Death Knight, and I was like, oh my god, it's such a bad matchup for me. Like this is not going to be great. But I had learned how to play the matchup, and I didn't scrim anybody. I just like every time I beat the deck. I figured out why it worked that time and it didn't work. Like, okay, sometimes it's going to be, well, they just had really bad draws and like their hand was terrible. And it's like, okay, well, I can't really learn much from that. That's just going to happen. Yeah. It's a card game. But the ones where it's like, oh, it's a really close game, but I won. Like, why did I win? And why, how yeah. do I recreate that scenario? And so you don't have to scrim. Scrimming is a, the best answer if it's available, if that's an option and you have somebody that you can scrim with, go do that. If it's mm -hmm. not an option, analyze your matchups, right? Like if you, when you beat that deck, why? Uh, it has to be better than like I just drew really well, or they drew really poorly. It's like okay, what what did you draw? That was if he did draw really well, what was it? And like, is that consistent, or did you just get really lucky, or you know, just figuring out like why it worked that time and it didn't the others, and then trying to recreate that every time. Yeah, I think taking notes while you play strategy games is probably one of the best things that nobody does for some reason. Like, if you look at all the professional, I'm going to use, like, Pokemon for an example, all the uh, best professional, like, VGCs of, like, the video game players mm -hmm. where you bring in your team of six and all that type of stuff, if you watch them, they all take notes in the game and they reference their notes all the time to the point to where I remember I was watching a YouTube video of this guy who was going to, he was playing in the top eight of some, like, big major. And his round eight opponent, or his first opponent in top eight, he played against this person, 
with a very similar team style seven years ago, had that binder with him, pulled it out and saw how that guy played. He did exactly the same play style, obviously not the exact same um, like moves and stuff because they're using different Pokemon, but the exact same play style and setup that they did seven years ago. And so they prepared for that in game one and just smoked them. And they're just like, this is like an insane example of just showing you how taking notes, obviously something like that's probably not really likely to happen again, but just having the idea of, oh, I'm going to take notes like you said of why did this work in the matchup? Well, turn one, I did this. Turn two, I did this. I remember I learned magic from a lot of boomers, uh, some people that are really old. They were like in their 30s and shit. Um, and hey, now. They, <laughs> uh, they, uh, when, we, when we first started playing, we would like scrim and they would do that. That was the first time I ever saw someone take notes. He goes like, turn one, played this card. Turn two, played this card. And I was like, what are you doing? He's like, well, I want to know what happened. So that way, whatever the outcome is, I can look back and see like why why that happened, like what shifted. Nowadays, you know, we don't have to write everything down in actual pencil and paper. You have notepads. You have, I mean, I have files and files on my computer of notepads. I just have like a document just for taking notes um, during tournament games and uh, scrim games, so that way I can understand what happened. And the last time I checked, that thing was at like thirty-seven pages long or something. Yeah. And this is eleven-point font, like single space. <laughs> it is very hard on the eyes. And it's, uh, I think it was like 30, 30 something pages long. I don't remember now. And it's, it's taking notes and understanding how things go. It's a lot more than just jamming games. The more work you put outside of just the very simple, I jam game for 10 hours straight, the better you'll do in scenarios like this. Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. Cause like even, even small stuff, like it's, 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 it's not only like, yeah, writing it down commits it to memory and like makes it a little bit better. But like, like you mentioned, just referencing it and saving your brain power. Like that was my big thing. Uh, was every time I played Magic, I always had a sideboard guide. And yep, that's my exactly what I was just thinking about when yeah, you said that. Because it's like, yes, do I? If I sat here and thought about it, would I know exactly what cards to take in and out versus every matchup? Yes, but like, do I? If I'm playing in a long tournament day, right? Like. If I'm playing seven or eight rounds of magic and it's three, you know, two to three games every time, I'm playing a lot of like really competitive, high intense magic. Mm -hmm. And the more brain power I can save and just use on the games themselves, the better. And so I didn't want to think about my sideboard during the tournament. So I just had my sideboard guides. I'd pull it out and say, okay, oh, these five cards in, these five cards out, boom, easy. I don't have to think about it. Yeah. And then it's the same thing with those matchups where it's like, if you're in a really diverse meta and there's like 10 meta decks, do you really want to have to like commit to memory all 10 of those decks and how to play it? Like write it down, just write it down, right? reference it in between rounds or before rounds. Like if you know what your opponent is playing, it's like, cool. Let me reference my notepad before this match real quick. And mm -hmm. I love that story about seven years later, just like, I still have yeah, the notes on you. <laughs> when I heard that, I was like, that's actually absurd. And of course, like it wasn't the exact same, you know, we'll call it like a deck. It wasn't the exact same team of Pokemon, the exact same deck. But it, it revolved around the same, like, uh, type of deck. So it'd be like saying, oh, they're playing, like, a burn deck. Well, playing a burn deck in 1995 and playing a burn deck in 2023, like, you're doing the same thing. You're just playing different cards, right? Like, you're just yeah. trying to hit face with lightning bolts and then play, like, a couple of creatures that have value. So yeah. you can still have the exact same play style seven years later if you don't adapt and do things like that. And that was just, like, a crazy story to hear. And, yeah, notes doing things outside of the games, like you said, to help you uh, in between it to save brain power is so big because, like, right now, let's think about tonight. Oh, like, um, by the time this comes, I'm actually flying out to Sacramento later this week, uh, this weekend to go play in a Pokemon major. And so, 
like I'm not doing anything tonight. I'm not using all my brain power doing anything. So what can I be doing? Writing down matchup guys saying like, okay, this matchup is really bad for me. You know, playing against, you know, uh, Mewtwo is really bad. How do I play this matchup? What are the best cards I can try and find? If they do X, how do I counter it? Stuff like that. Because what have I done today? Nothing really. What am I doing for the next four hours? Nothing. But what am I going to be doing this weekend? Like, I don't want to be sitting there after I get off a plane, after I check in, after I get an Uber, on my way to the airport, you know, all this jet lagged for hours, time zones, and being like, okay, let's figure out how to use this matchup. And it's like, I don't want to be doing it on that day. I want that yeah. day to be as stress-free and use all my brain power in the actual games and long rounds themselves. So do all the work outside of the tournament um, to help your actual tournament performance day. A hundred percent, right? I don't even like to, I don't even love to scrim night before a tournament. Like I- oh, I don't even play. Yeah. I don't even play the game like one to two days before the tournament. I just straight up don't play. I, uh, yeah, my, my tournament prep when I was playing magic, it was different than like playing on, on CCGs. But I remember like my tournament prep for magic every night before, like I'd get off the plane, I'd get to the hotel and I would just re-sleeve my deck. Like I, I had fresh sleeves for every tournament and it was like kind of my tournament prep ritual was just like re-sleeving my deck. Cause I don't have to use any brain power to just like slide cards in and out of plastic. Like that's easy. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's still like, I don't know, it, it, it was like a good luck thing for me. And so that was that was my pre pre tournament ritual, but I didn't want to scrim. I didn't want to like, you know, write matchup guides. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so I made sure all that pre work was done, you know, before I even mm -hmm. got on the plane. And that's a really good call out because we should probably do an episode. We'll we'll save this for a later episode. I'm actually gonna um, do an article on something like this, on, like preparing for major events. So it might I mean, if I it might be out by now, or we'll see. But I'm trying to do an article. I'm getting one prepared for it. So we'll yeah. see if that is out by now or not. Well, yeah. Once you get that released, too. <laughs> yeah. Once you get that released, we can you can we can do an episode on it as well because I'm sure that you and I had different had and have different tournament prep rituals, uh, but you know, like the same reasoning, probably. Yeah, you know, when I won my the LOR major, um, mm -hmm. when I won that seasonal, that entire like week leading up to the tournament, I didn't play a single game of LOR. I only played, there's a stupid, I love fighting games. It's like my second favorite thing right outside of card games. And this stupid fighting game came out called Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl, <laughs> which is just like a, a Super Smash Brothers, but baby mode and has Nickelodeon characters. And I literally did nothing but play that for like three or four days before the tournament. Because I was just so stressed about how much I prepped for, because this was the major right before Worlds and I wasn't qualified. So I needed to do well to qualify for Worlds. And I was already so stressed out that I was like, I'm just done looking at LOR cards. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to do anything else. I'm just going to play something not named LOR. I'll play this baby fighting game. And it ended up doing a lot of work because I was so stress relieved after the first round of my, of my tournament that I just ended up doing well. Yeah, I think uh, I think a small break before the tournament is really good as well. Like, I mean, taking four days off, probably not recommended for everybody, but yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not saying take the week before a tournament off and don't do anything. But yeah, I do think like a day before, two days before, like mm -hmm. set it down, make sure that you get all your pre-work done before then, right? Like know your matchups, know your deck. Um, you know, don't don't lock your deck in the night before. I'm guilty of that a couple times. Don't switch <laughs> decks, yeah. That's yeah, why what I my, my trick is I take only one deck with me to events. <laughs> so when I'm packing my bag, I pack everything. Like if it's something I'm flying to, I'll pack everything and I'll make sure to only pack one deck and then like a trade binder. So your trade binder is not going to have enough cards for you to switch decks, you know? So that yeah. when I get there, I don't have this like day before or sometimes two days before crisis of oh i'm gonna switch my deck last minute i hear about all these matchups that are gonna happen because it's like 
I don't have them. And unless I want to drop a bunch of money on cards that I already have back at home, I'm just going to stay with this one deck, you know, and just, yeah. and just write it out for the weekend. Yeah. I, I mean, I could not agree more. I've, I've, I'm guilty of this. I've switched decks night before and been like super pissed at myself. It's like, man, if I was running the other deck, I probably would have had a much better day, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, don't t- learn from me. Don't be me. Um, <laughs> But, we made um, mistakes for ten years, so you don't have. To. <laughs> that's our, that's the slogan of this podcast. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, don't let the meta talk get to your head. Like, oh, the tournament meta is going to be this. It's like, dude, nobody knows. Nobody has a crystal no ball. Knows, nobody knows man. what the meta is going to be. I mean, you can have a good guess, but like, you don't know. And also, like, your matchups are random. Um, yeah, like you're going to play in this room full of 500, 700, 1,000 people. Like even if the field is 20% of one deck, you know round one you're going to hit this guy that just happens to live in the city of the tournament is held in and they probably never played a tournament before. They're bringing jank deck number 74 and just to have a fun time, you know. Like, <laughs> yep, yep, no, 100%. And then even when you hit your bad matchups, you can still have a great tournament run. Like one of my, uh, one of my tournament fish- finishes, I finished just outside of top eight, sad. But um, it was like the SCG Open and in, in the Modern Open in Dallas in 2018, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I I took <laughs> I took Hollow One uh, mm-hmm. to that tournament, and Humans was a terrible matchup for me. Like it was an mm-hmm. awful matchup, and Humans was a very popular modern deck at the time. That's what I played. Yeah, and I I ran into it three times, and I beat it two or three times, and so yeah. it's like it was great. I was like, this is phenomenal. And then you know, I lost. I lost on <laughs> I lost my featured match with, against it to Zan Zan Saeed, but uh, it's still a great great matchup uh, or a great great time. He's a great guy, but mm-hmm. it's like you know I had a terrible matchup into a very popular modern deck, and I still ran my deck and did extremely well with it. I mean, also yeah. all one just has like a roll face feature, which works. But um, <laughs> yeah, that is one of the ways you can definitely combat your bad matchups, like you were talking about. Like you're obviously a very skilled player. So if you play your deck just straight up better than your opponent does, it doesn't matter. Like in Marvel Snap, like what deck are you playing right now that has a bad matchup? Oh, uh, like a, a high Evo, like a negative high Evo deck. And it's not great against Loki. Sure. So I'm sure if, if you gave me a Loki deck and Marvel Snap and I loaded it into you and we played Conquest, like you would just cook me. Like it doesn't matter if I'm <laughs> playing the, the better deck, right? Yeah. So uh, or your, the better matchup if you know how to play your deck well enough, you'll be able to kind of bridge that skill gap. And all these things we hear percentage, like, oh, it's a 60-40 matchup. It's a 70-30 matchup. Those are all like general statistics. If you take the best player in the world and then your average um, competitive player and you take that 70-30 matchup, well, the best player in the world is going to have just the skill gap to bring it down to like a 50-50 hour. Yeah. Right. And so that's one of the big things you can do to combat it is just play your deck way better than your opponent and, you know, hope for the best 100% I think that's an important call out and I'm glad you said it because like yeah we I mean I'll, I'll say it even on stream sometimes where it's like oh this is like a 70-30 matchup whatever mm-hmm. but it's like you have to keep in mind that's taking an average player versus an average player right mm-hmm. or like two equally skilled players whether they're high skill or low skill or medium skill or whatever right it's like if you take two players with equal skill then this deck will win 70% of the time right but like you mentioned if you take one of the best players in the world and give them like a 70-30 matchup I'm not saying they're going to flip it to like they win 70% of them, but like you said, they can at least bring it to a 50 50. Yeah. Um, and knowing, and that's where, again, like knowing your matchups puts you at such an advantage because if you really want to be a competitive card player, like if that's what you want to do, you want to win, you want to start entering into like weekend tournaments, even if it's just like casual tournaments, you're not trying to go for like hundred thousand dollar cash prizes. If you're just trying to be like a competitive, a casually competitive player, I like promise you, if you just put a little bit of work in 
on like learning a deck, learning the matchups, like you're going to do substantially better in a tournament than you would have if you like didn't like do any, if you just played, like you mentioned, play 10 hours and like hope to get better. It's like, Mm -hmm. I mean, you'll get marginally better just from jamming games, but I mean, think think about any other game or any other sport. Is that what they do? Like, yeah. do football players just like, oh, well, if we just play a ton of football, we'll get better. It's like, no, they study game film. They know how their opponent's going to play. They study their matchups. You know, are, 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 they have a different game plan every week. And so, because they prepare for their opponent. And, and any other sport, right? Like, any other game does that. Like, exactly that. They don't just jam the game for 10 hours. And I think sometimes we as gamers... um, at the end of the day, like just want to play the game because playing the game is fun and playing the game is yeah. fun. That's why we do it. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy playing cards. And, mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time, I also, I am a competitive person. And I like winning. And so if, you know, I could play the game for five hours or study for five hours and much rather play the game for five hours. But I know sure. that like, if I have 10 hours and I spend five of them studying the last five hours that I get to play are going to be substantially better than, than they yeah. would have been if I had I not done that. And so, sure. um, and it's, it's noticeable. I think it takes a couple times for you to, to, to make that trade off of like, okay, I'm going to study instead of play. Uh, and then you see it pay off almost immediately. That's the other cool part is like, it's almost mm-hmm. immediate. Like you study a yeah. matchup, your matchup, like guaranteed to improve no matter what, because you know, the matchup better now and you'll win more of those games. Yeah. Um, and so, so I, I agree hundred percent with what you said, right? Like can't just game jam the game for 10 hours. Like you have to make that trade off to if, if you want to be a competitive player like if you just want to play mm-hmm. casually like yeah go play casually like don't put any sweat into it like you're fine yeah but if you want to improve and you want to get better you have to do things outside of just play the game for sure yeah um all right so we've talked about bad matchups and mm-hmm. and at length and gave a lot of tips on that let's flip this let's flip the script and say how do you capitalize on good matchups so what what advice do you have for people with good matchups? Sure. So the best advice I could give you in a good matchup is to not overextend. Don't find your way to lose. And this can be said in so many card games, even outside of CCGs, like even like poker. Like one of my favorite poker quotes of all time from um, one of the OGs, uh, Brunswick, was just... A, a pocket aces were either meant to win you a small pot or lose you a big one because while it's still like the best hand in the game like you uh, best hand in the game you can uh, you're gonna be super favored into every other hand you don't want to overextend or find your loss there like you still want to be able to read the game play well play smart you do have an advantage so you can maybe be like a little bit risky or push things because it's like oh if this fails I still have the safety net of like those other game plans of beating you, depending on how favored you are. But don't just do things willy nilly. Don't think like, oh, I'm favored, so I'm just gonna throw my cards around and not think about what's going on. So that's that's something that I had to learn and why I got really frustrated when I first started being competitive in card games. I'd be like, oh, I'm supposed to be so favored into this matchup. Why do I keep losing? And I was thinking about it. And it's like, you know what? I'm not like actually thinking about anything. I'm not making a game plan of how to win. I'm just thinking I am favored, so I will win. And so I'm thinking like I'm favored because I have of like this game plan. I'm favored because they can't deal with this. They can't deal with this. So I'm going to execute these game plans. It was just me play cards because my colors beat opponents colors and that's not really how that that's not how good matchups works as we talked about a better player can win that bad matchup against a worse player just because they know how to play the matchup out yeah no i you said a you said a term in there that i want to i want to dive a little bit deeper on um 
overextending because I think that is the easiest way to throw a matchup, right? Yeah. Like, I you have to think about your matchups, and and what I always do in my good matchups is I don't even think about how I win; I think about how I lose. Yeah, where it's like, okay, I exactly. know as long as I don't do this one thing, like, because as well as you know your bad matchups you're a bad matchup for somebody else, which means they know that matchup equally well. And mm -hmm. so what you have to do is say, okay, how, what is their win con? How do they win? It's not about yeah. me winning. Cause I will win the game regardless. I have a great matchup, yeah. but I do need to stop their win condition from happening. And yes. so one of the good ways to, to think about this is, um, you know, like uh, we could put it in terms of LOR or any card game. Cause I think every card game or almost every card game has this right. Of like some board wipe, like in, in LOR there's ruination, Right yeah. in in Hearthstone, there's a you know ton of board wipes, um, and, and Magic there's a ton. So it's like if you're a red deck, right, or you're a very low to the ground creature deck, and it's like mm -hmm. okay, I'm gonna swarm the board with goblins, or I'm you know gonna swarm if it's LOR, you know I'm gonna swarm the board with like Nox and like yeah no, like one mana Noxus creatures, small aggressive units. Yeah, it's like okay, I'm gonna flood the board, and it's like cool, that's a great plan, unless your opponent's win condition is board wiping you and then you don't have enough fuel to refuel the board right like yeah sure if you have a handful of 20 creatures yeah fill the board up and go crazy because mm -hmm. they need three board wipes to beat you but if it's yep. like you have exactly one board full of creatures and that's your win con is to beat them before they hit a like board wipe sure it might work sometimes but it's not going to work 70 percent of the time right like yeah they're because they're going to be looking for that board wipe their their goal is to get it in their hands so they're going to increase yeah. try to increase their draw rate as much as possible whether it's mm -hmm. mulligan for it keep a bunch of draw spells like whatever they need to do to get there they're going to try to get there right and so that's where it's like okay i could win that's where you have to think if you're the good matchup it's like okay let's say i win if i win you know if i win by turn five i can get there do i fill the board up and hope to do it or do i fill the board half up make them use a board wipe because if they don't use the board wipe these four creatures will kill them it might take them an extra one or two turns mm -hmm. but like that's fine because if they board wipe me i can then you know refill the board and then finish the job yeah um and so it's like making them use their win con just to survive is a great way to win the matchup right like yep. knowing how they're going to escape this situation knowing how they're they're going to do it make them do it and still have answers for it uh, where I think people overextend too much on those good matchups where they're like, like you said, if you're not thinking about stuff like that, you're just filling the board and going crazy. Then they hit the board wipe and you're like, well, now they've stabilized and I don't have anything. Um, yeah. So I think overextending is the thing to think about when in a good matchup and not to do it. Yeah, I like you mentioned a piece in there about recognizing what your opponent's game plan is and to kind of stop them. And that's how I approach all of my good matchups. Um, in Pokemon, I'm playing a very polarizing deck right now where I'm basically really favored into about 70% of the field, but then I'm just extremely unfavored into 30% of the field. So when I go into my favorite matchups, the only thing I think about is, okay, I know what they're trying to do. So how do I not let that happen? And sometimes you have to take unorthodox ways. So for example, in Pokemon, you win by knocking out all of your opponent's Pokemon or knocking out enough to collect six prize cards. So most of the time, if they put a Pokemon in the active and you're like, oh, I can kill it immediately, people do that because you're like, oh, me kill Pokemon, me get prize card, and I'm one step closer to winning. Well, sometimes killing that Pokemon will let them put something else up front and start to use its ability. And maybe that ability gets them what they need. Maybe it draws on the cards. Maybe it does, you know, some crazy whatever. So sometimes you want to do things that are kind of unorthodox. So you're not just letting your opponent get their win con out for free. You're not just letting them play their game because even though that's a really good matchup for me, if I let my opponent play their game, you know, 
80-20, you're still losing 20% of the time. 20% of the time, they high roll you, right? So 20% of the time, they're like, oh, I'm, I drew exactly what I needed. Now you lost because you gave me that extra draw, card draw. You gave me that extra ability usage or, you know, whatever it was. And then so now I found a way to lose the game, whereas I could have just played it a little bit slower, played it a little bit smarter, and then all of a sudden my opponent can't do what they're trying to do. They have to use twice as many resources to do what they want to do. And there's just no shot that they can blow me out by the time I get be able to like cobble off and do whatever it is I'm trying to do. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And and uh, again, like I think it's counterintuitive in your good matchups because you're not thinking about how do I win because it's obvious, right? Like mm-hmm. it's literally just thinking, how do I lose this? Um, and then figuring out how to prevent that loss from happening um and i do think it's important to scrim against your good matchups against really skilled players right like i wouldn't recommend scrimming a bad like a good matchup against like the same level or like worse players i i do think finding somebody very skilled in a good like in a good matchup for you or it's a bad matchup for them which is also great because they're going to want to scrim their bad matchups right um it's like knowing that like they're going to find the ways to beat you. And so that's going to help you prepare for it. Um, And so, yeah, I I think just no matter what their win con is, whether it's, you know, a new Pokemon coming on using their ability, it's like, okay, well, as long as that Pokemon's not out, like we're fine. So I'm going to make that as hard for them as possible. Or it's a board wipe and it's like, I'm not going to fill the board up. Or if it's, you know, they're going to burn me. I need to like, you know, make sure that I have whatever I need to gain life or whatever it is. Right. Like whatever that win con is, Make it as hard, either make it hard for your opponent to get there or make them have multiple of them yeah. um, is the other part of it too, right? Like, okay, they can, you know, like I said with earlier with like the, if they, you know, board wipe, okay, well, do you have a second one? Cause I can refill the board or, right. um, you know, if it's, you know, gaining life, cool. Do you have another one? Cause I'm going to make sure that you need that other one. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel uh, like making sure that they don't get their game plan going it's probably one of the most important things. Even in Marvel Snap, I know there's a lot of things you can do back and forth. And so like if my game plan is um, Galactus, where it's like, okay, I'm going to keep this spot open so I can Galactus and do stuff. If you have a way to pull, you know, a character onto that spot or do something to where they there, it stops their Galactus before it goes off, whether that's something like a Cosmo or, you know, whatever that could stop them, then you're not just letting them do what they want to do. And then all of a sudden their whole game plan is just absolutely destroyed. And that's all you need to do. Like everything else you do, you're already favored. So you're going to win as long as you stop this one thing and stop their game plan one time or one step in their game plan. Sometimes that's all it takes for you to just go, okay, I was winning. I stopped the one scary thing. Now the game's just a blowout. And that's yep. a lot of the times how good matchups are supposed to go when you're the better player piloting it is there's usually one scare moment um, so, you know, sometimes too, but usually like very few scare moments, but you know how to identify when that's about to happen, identify when it's starting to come up and then um, create a plan and form an action to prevent that scary thing from being scary in the long run. And then you can just run away with it from being a good matchup after that. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, I love that you said that because especially in Marvel Snap, right? I mean, that's the game that I've been playing most recently mm-hmm. and you know galactus is a great example so i'm glad you said it um it's also very easy like to not think about what your opponent's doing and why they're doing it but it's honestly some of the most important questions that you like should be asking at every turn of the game Mm -hmm. is like why did my opponent do that what is most likely are they doing this because they have this or you know like 
like, are they leaving this location empty because they're likely a Galactus deck? Okay. Answer is yes. Okay. How do I prevent that? Right. I'm going to put, you know, more than seven power here or another one of their creatures here. I'll, I'll move it. Like what, what answers do I have to answer that? If the answer is none, then like, yeah, then it's probably not a good matchup for you. But if it's a good matchup, then it's like, you probably have answers for it. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a ton of answers for Galactus. Um, so it's understanding like, why is my opponent doing what they're doing? Why are they doing? And even now, like, you know, as as a skilled player, it's like the games that I lose the most are the ones where I'm not thinking about what my opponent's doing. That's what causes yeah. me to lose most of my games, right? Like, yeah, sometimes I'll lose like really close games where it's like I thought about it and, you know, I misplayed or that still happens. But when I think about like the majority of my losses, I will think and I'm like, oh, I forgot about this one card. I didn't think about it. And I would have thought about it if I had just asked myself, why did they do that? Because it's very yeah. clear. Like, if they're trying to set this up, this is why they're doing it. But like figuring out why your opponent is doing what they're doing and being one step ahead of them is like mm -hmm. just the best thing you can do in any matchup. I don't care if it's a good matchup or bad matchup or a coin toss. Like if you can yeah. just be asking yourself every turn of the game, why are they doing what they're doing? Um, then mm -hmm. that is going to put you in the best possible position to win every game. Yeah, for sure. And there's a lot of things you can do with that. Like um, one of the things where you're like, oh, why did they do this? That could lead into a whole separate um, line of skill tree of like, oh, hand reading is now into effect because you can go like, oh, why did they do this? They probably are setting up for this. So they either have it in their hand or they have nothing and they're hoping to draw it. And so you can start setting up for like, okay, well, if they have this in their hand, then they probably don't have this in their hand. Or it's like, oh, if they played card A, then they don't have card B because it messes it up and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of ways that you can use that to then lead into future turns and then start saying like, okay, well, now I know for sure what your game plan is or you kind of showed me what your game plan is going to be. You know, a big... Uh, game that uses is going to be chess where your opponent moves you know something any piece and you go like okay well now i know you're going to try and do like the london opening so i know how to play against the london like the only the london opens with these two moves i'm going to start countering it with you know however play style you want to do that with and you know card games are just like that where it goes your opponent goes oh play my second mana like pass and you're like oh they don't usually pass on that type of mana unless they either a have a counter spell or two have like some sort of removal spell or three have nothing so it's like okay if it is one of the first two how do i play around those if it's nothing then you know you're good to go yeah so. no a hundred percent and uh it's funny because I, I thought about poker when you said that right like you mm -hmm. went to chess which is a good one too but it's like that's all that poker players do like if you yes. watch poker players are like why would my opponent bet this way they would bet this way if they had this hand. And so they try to start narrowing down, okay, yes. did they raise pre-flop? Did they bet the flop, you know, check the turn? They're trying to figure out why would my opponent do these things? What cards would they have that would drive those decisions? Mm -hmm. um, you know, then poker goes one step deeper of like, okay, I know my opponent would think that, so I'm going to bluff it. But anyway, um, but it's like that's all poker players do is think about what their opponent could have and why their opponent would do that. Um, and I think that's a big skill that that – any card game could like really take from poker because poker I think does it the best and does it the most because they, they have to, but yeah. Um, like figuring out. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like did they not use all their energy or mana because they didn't have anything or because they're saving it for something on my turn. Right. And mm -hmm. then that's where you start. Uh, that's where you start baiting stuff out or it's like, okay, this is really bad for them, but it's not detrimental. Are they going to like, trying to bait out like a counter spell or removal spell it's like yeah you know this isn't this isn't this isn't my win con but it's not going to help them so like can i bait something out and that's where you can i think that's where a lot of the skill gap comes in like we've talked about we've talked about skill gaps like closing like if there's a really highly skilled player against a, a you know medium skilled player 
um, that's where stuff like that makes the difference in those matchups. Because mm-hmm. if you have the answer to their answer, right? Like if, if you know, if they get this one creature down, then they win the game, but I'm going to hold this counter spell. And I refuse to use this counter spell until I see that creature, because I know it's yeah. their win con. They can play whatever the hell else they want. And mm-hmm. I'm never going to use it. But some people might see another really good creature, but it's not the one they need. And they'd be like, oh, man, I was saving this, but now I need to, this is bad, but I'll use it. And then they use it, and it's like, okay, cool, here's the real answer. And it's like, yeah, oh, crap, right? And so it's like knowing um, knowing that your opponent's going to try to bait stuff out of you, uh, like that's where the skill gap comes in, I think. And so, you know, that's where, again, knowing your matchup is so important because if you know that they need this one thing to win, right? Um, and you can stop that one thing from happening. Don't let go of it early. Like, don't, yeah. don't, don't drop it early. As tempted as you might be, sometimes like your opponent's probably trying to bait it out of you. Um, don't fall for mm-hmm. it uh, and, and hold it. And so I think that's where, um, like, knowing your matchup, and then like that's where the skill gap comes in because a better player will will do stuff like that to get the answers to their answer out of your hand. Right, um, and so that's that's why the skill matchup gets so gets so close and and a skill diverse game. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so we've talked about bad matchups. We talked about good matchups. And mm-hmm. the last topic of the day is a phrase that some people might know, some people might not. So we're gonna talk about it. What does playing to your outs mean? Yeah, so playing to your outs is a term that means your hand is not good, usually your board is not good. You're not usually in a winning spot when someone talks about playing to your outs. What it means is you have such a limited um, percentage chance to win or to actually come out ahead that what you do is you play to the small percentage chance that will actually lead to a win instead of playing to the cards that you actually have ready available to you. So if I have five cards in my hand, and I can spend mana, or I could set myself up to use these five cards, but none of these five cards are going to actually win me the game. They're just like stalling, and it's just like, you know, a wish and a prayer that they're going to do anything. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to say like, okay, well, none of these cards actually help me. My board state's bad. My position is bad. I'm going to do a play that doesn't make any sense with this hand. Like I'm going to discard two cards that people are like, oh, you could play these two units and then kind of make a board. Well, if the two units don't actually do anything for you after this exact turn, you know, discard those to draw another card. And then if that one card you draw is the one card you need to win the game, that you just played to your outs. You played to your outs of saying this exact one card will win me the game. So let me just discard my hand. Let me do whatever action to try and get, you know, to that one card so you can win instead of just playing these you know kind of like poopy cards and cards that aren't really helping you don't play to what you have play to what you could possibly draw play to your outs yep yeah i i I like that right playing to the low percentage chance you have to to win right and so Mm -hmm. um you know it's funny happened to me during uh i think i made a short about it (laughs) i was playing lor and it's like God, this game is over unless I draw exactly blowback as a card, mm-hmm. right? Like I needed exactly blowback or I lost the game. But you know what? I was going to keep four four energy open, four mana open in case mm-hmm. I top deck you know, blowback. And, and I did. And I was like, I did the math on stream. I was like, 12%? Yeah, I got a 12% chance to draw blowback. That yep. sucks, man. Like I'm probably, at that point I had like a, you know, 80% chance to lose the game, 88% chance to lose the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like, well, I could play this like one unit, but if I top deck this burn spell, then I win the game. Um, yep. And so I 
cop decked it. And I was like, that's oh, 12% chance, but like may as well have been 100%. And so yeah. uh, it, it's it's also setting yourself up. It's like it's to me playing your ads has two things. One, it's like like you mentioned, actively setting yourself up to 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 draw what you need or to get what you need or to get to your one out. Um, it's it's that, but it's also in in my opinion, like playing as if you already have it. Like that's my that's how I play to my outs. Is like okay, if I top deck this, then I win. I'm gonna play as if I already have it in my hand because I'm gonna do two things that way. One, if I do draw it or I do get there. I'm like already set up to capitalize on it. Mm -hmm. The other part too is like you could be bluffing your opponent because those plays only make sense if you have that card. And I'm playing as yeah. if I already have it. So it might make them think that I do, which might make them make a bad decision because I don't, mm -hmm. right? Because like if I play as if I have a counter spell, like I, I guess my control coming out of me because mm -hmm. I like played control for years in Magic exclusively. That notebook would have been good for me for seven years for mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> um, but um, it's like, okay, I, you know, I might be able to do something, but I'm going to hold exactly enough mana up for a counterspell. And they're going to think I have a counterspell, which is going to make them think twice about playing their answer to win the game because they have to play around. Do I have a counterspell or not? And I have the mana for it. And that's where also, like, you'll hear me say this on stream a lot too, of just like, well, so sometimes you got to make them have it. Like, that's that's all there is to it. Sometimes if you have it, you have it. If you don't, you're going to lose. And I'm going I'm to make you have the card. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like, that's a good thing too of like, you know, bluffing, playing as if you already have the card and then that makes your opponent second guess their decisions and potentially making them misplay which is what mm -hmm. ultimately you want them to do is misplay and yeah. so i think it's two things one setting yourself up to draw what you need or get there uh but two is that like i just again pretend like i have it in my hand because that's the only way that I that's the only way i win the game anyway so like nothing makes sense otherwise so it's like i'm just gonna pretend right. i have this card in my hand and then act accordingly um, mm -hmm. and that's, yeah, I mean, it's a low percentage chance, but you have to put yourself in the best position to cap, to like make, hit that 12%, whatever percentage it yeah. is. That's yeah. That's and, yeah. And playing to your outs is definitely something that will take your win rate just up enough percentiles to just kind of get there. You know, mm -hmm. like there's a lot of times where you'll see a player that is going to lose, you know, they'll lose this game 90% of the time. But what most players will do in that spot is just, you know, you're like, oh, I'm going to lose. I'll, I'll play like your blowback, you know, uh, example. You're like, I'll play the unit to try and get a blocker down and just hope they have nothing and this one blocker can save me a turn or something. And what the difference is what you did, which is say, like, this one unit is not going to get me there 88% of the time, so I'd rather just take my 12% chance to draw the card I need to win the game. And what you did is the difference is you won the game. Imagine that's a tournament game that that literally can take you into day two, take you into a top cut, like, that's the small differences between um, like the really good players and the average players and the like below average players is just finding the small chances to win and just winning that many more times, especially when you're playing these long 15 round majors, like round one is or day one is nine rounds, best of three. So you're playing up to, you know, 18 to 27 games. If you could randomly squeak out one game there, one round, that could be the difference between you walking away day one and not making day two, or you winning thousands of hundreds of thousands of dollars in that day two to the top cut and think back to like, wow, because I remember when I won uh, my major, I was like, man, I wouldn't be here if I didn't like do exactly this play and get exactly like, you know, lucky or play to my outs like this one round, like this one round, I got there on game three to get me into day two. And because of that, I'm able to be all the way up here now, like a champion and stuff like that. And so 
it really comes down to just these very small percentage plays constantly, the fundamentals, the playing tier out fundamentals, just all these things. And that will get you, even if it does only work 12% of the time, that 12% of the time, you're going to win a game that could potentially be the difference between $100,000 and going home two days early. Yeah. And, and, and I love that because you also have to think about, for me, it's like, or for any player that, that plays to their outs, it's like, I am going to win 100% of that 12% because I'm playing to that 12%, right? I'm going, like, I know what my out is. I'm going to play to it. So like, I'm going to win all 12% of those. So like, it is just like a straight up 12%, you know, increase to my win rate. Whereas sometimes if you're not purposely playing towards it, you still might get there. Like maybe you didn't have anything and you like top decked it and it's like, Oh, and you feel really lucky. And it's like, okay, maybe you are really lucky. But like, if you play to your, you might win fifty percent of that twelve percent. So now you're like, yeah. cool, you'll win six percent of those. But if you purposefully play to your outs and figure out what they are, and then set yourself up to do it, you'll hit a hundred percent of that twelve percent, or or whatever percentage it is, right? Like mm-hmm. for for you, it's like you're going to capitalize on a hundred percent of those, and that is going to increase your win rate, like you said, enough. It you just reminded me of a Daniel Negreanu quote, my favorite poker player, mm-hmm. uh, but he has a quote, and it, it it's great. He's like every poker player's tournament at one point in the tournament is a coin toss 50 50 like mm-hmm. every time every time your tournament comes down to a coin toss um just one though and then after that one coin toss you're either like set or, or not and so i think similarly exactly like you said right like i remember those tournaments um that i had like really really great finishes in and it's like yeah i i had matchups where it's like oh man i got really lucky or like you know mm-hmm. i got my 20% chance to win. And, and like that is what's going to make the difference. Because if you really think about a tournament, it's like, sure, you have to play eight rounds. How many of those are going to be your bad matchup? Maybe two of them. Maybe mm-hmm. if it's a popular bad matchup, maybe yeah. two of them are going to be against your bad matchup. And then of those two, if you get one of them, like you play to your outs and win one of those two, like you potentially could only lose one round that day. And lo- losing one round versus losing two in a big tournament is a huge difference. Like, yeah massive yeah and like you said like um that quote of oh everyone has a 50 50 and then after that coin flip you know you're set like you're either winning or you're losing depending on how you played that 50 50 mm-hmm. and i actually i never thought of it that way but that's how i feel in tournaments um so like the tournament i won the in top eight my matchup was like really bad across the board all three of my decks were like hard countered by these control decks these removal decks but i was able to like play really i outplayed my opponent played better than them and i won as soon as I won that match, I was like, yeah, I'm winning the tournament. I was like, it's over. <laughs> like, I, I won this really horrible match. I'm looking at the rest of the field. I was like, nothing's going to stop me today after, after that thing. And sure, I had. I, like, I went off the one. And same thing happened. I, I 9-0'd a day one, um, back-to-back 9-0s. And there was a point, I remember it was like round four or five, like a middle-ish round. And it was, again, a really bad matchup against a really good player. I won it. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going 9 0 today. I was like, I'm making day two for sure. Like, after that, after starting 4-0 in that bad matchup, like, that literally saved me going into day two i was like this is done like it's a wrap mm-hmm. up we'll, we'll see you tomorrow for day two <laughs> and it's really crazy how you can start to feel those moments where you know like you got away with or you know like oh i played well enough to catch this one win on accident or catch this one win when most players wouldn't have and that one win is the difference between a seven two scoreline making it to day two or a six three scoreline and boohoo you go home and you know can't do anything else for the weekend yep no, a hundred percent. It's it's those little percentage points because 
I mean, yeah, you have to think about 12% doesn't sound like a lot, right? Or 20% doesn't sound like a lot. Like, I always think of the inverse where it's like, okay, I have an 88% chance to lose this game or an 80% chance to lose this game. But it's still like, that doesn't do me any good to dwell on that 80%. It's like, I'm just going to focus on the positive of like, okay, how do I capitalize on that 12%, that 20%, whatever it is. And when you put it in the scheme, like, you know, the rule of large numbers is a a law. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, that's why... You know, the rule of large numbers, for those who don't know, it's what, it's what casinos operate on. If a casino wins 51% of all blackjack games or 50.5% of all blackjack games, and then the rule of large numbers across a million blackjack hands, that 0.5% or 1%, they're going to make profit. Like, they're going to make their money. Like casinos, lot, yeah. yeah, casinos are nothing but rule of large numbers. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if they lose... 10 blackjack games in a row over the course of a million they're going to win a hundred thousand two hundred thousand more than you so when you apply that to like card gamers it's like i mean you and i we've played thousands tens of thousands of individual card games and so when you say well we win 12 percent more than the average player across you know tens of thousands of card games it's a big win rate difference right and so it doesn't sound like a lot in one game but if you Mm -hmm. do that every time and you always win that 12 percent it's going yeah. to take your win rate from assume 50% to 62%. Like that's a much better win rate. Yeah. And 62% um, win rate. That's what like top players, like top players have that 65% ish win rate. Like anything above that mm-hmm. is absurd usually. But you know, if you have that 62% win rate, you are considered a very good card player. Mm-hmm. You are a very good player at that point. Yeah. So it, it's, it's, it's crazy to like think like some, like I, I definitely know it's not like, Oh, 12%. What's the point? No, you don't think mm-hmm. about it in that in the terms of that one individual game. You think about it. If I always take the 12%, it's going to increase my win rate across my entire career, right? Of of like my just overall win percentage is going to increase by, you know, roughly 12%. Yep. And so um that's that's where your mind has to go to because um yeah, it's only 12% across one game, but you have to think about the rule of large numbers because you're playing more than one game. <laughs> yeah, and that's how you get these like goats of card games. That's how you get the best players in each card game. Where you always have the players that are like kind of average or sometimes don't really know too much about card games or aren't super competitive, but they like pretend to be. Where they're like, oh, this like card games are just luck. Like the best players cheat, or like the card games are just luck. Like no one can actually be consistent. And it's like, well. I've topped every single tournament I've played in in the last six months. And then like, I've won this thing. And like this magic player is like consistently top cut pro tours for the last 20 years, you know, like there has to be something they're doing. And it's like you mentioned, if we play to our 12% outs, we're going to go up to a 62% win rate to get, uh, so we'll say the average, you know, want to be competitive player um, has like a 45 to 50% win rate. So we'll say the average competitive player is 50% win rate. Well, the people above them are the ones that play to those 12% out have 62% win rate. Well, they're like really good because they're going to be smoking these 50% of the people uh, across, you know, tournaments across years, um, stuff like that. Well, then you have like the actual top, top players, which play to, you know, five to 10% more outs than like these people. And they jumped straight up to like 70% win rate. And it just goes from there. And that's how you get, even though like you may think that, oh, this good, this player is obviously very, very, very good. How is this person still winning everything? It's because they're doing something just like 5% of the time more. And across their seven year career, they're going to be getting more pro tour top cuts, more worlds top cuts, win a pro tour. Whereas this other person is still very good. They're still like almost top eight in pro tours or top eight a pro tour every year in there. Maybe they make day two at worlds or something, but the difference between that guy and someone like, um, 
I don't know, Reed Duke, who like just made top eight of worlds in Magic, is the fact that Reed Duke is playing a little bit better across a 10-year span, and that's why they're able to have such better performances at such a long period of time. A hundred percent. Because, yeah, I think every card player at one point or another has heard somebody say that, like, you know, card games are just luck. Like, Oh, yeah, for sure. Every time I lose, it's because my opponent draws the nuts. And it's like, I promise you it's not. Like, I promise you it's not. Um, and uh, it's it's just because, I mean, I even used to be that player. I, 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 that's what I tell everyone. Like, if I can if I can become good at card games, anybody can. Because mm-hmm. I did some dumb stuff when I first started playing the game. Like, playing cards. Like, I did dumb things. Very dumb things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, for a while, had that mindset of, like, man, every time I lose, my opponent just draws the nuts. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, they're just thinking about the game differently and playing the game differently. So it feels like they always have the nuts. But, like, they're just yeah. they're playing to that 12%. And they're playing to those, like, small percentages. They're, they know the matchup better. Like, those things add up. And, again, like, increasing your win rate by 1% doesn't sound like a lot. But we're card players. Like, it's a lot. 1% um, is a lot. Yeah. And so it's, it's just, like, it's crazy. And so... um I, I agree. You have to think about the career of, of, of the entire lifespan. And um, I promise you the number one way to just get better in general is like understanding the top yeah, players are top players. The CCG hub. That's the <laughs> number CCG one way to get <laughs> slash premium. Uh, <laughs> That's the number one way to get better. <laughs> um, but like it, it, it's, it's just stop thinking about like your opponent getting lucky. It's just changing the way that you think. That, that's that's all there is yes. to it, right? Like changing yep. the way that you think about card games is the number one way to getting better. Yes. Um, and and when I changed my mindset is when I f- started seeing growth and and started actually like winning tournaments and like qualifying for RPTQs and you know mm-hmm. back when those were a thing and um, <laughs> like I actually started seeing success in Magic when my thought process changed and I actually took the time to figure out okay. How am I misplaying? Looking back at my game films, like that's the other thing too, is like record your games and go back and look at them. Mm-hmm. Like I, I used to do that for League of Legends when I wanted to get better at League, but now it's like you can go back and look at your card games and hindsight's always 2020. And so it's like, yeah, was this the best decision? Would I make this decision again? Or mm-hmm. is there another decision I would have made at this point? Uh, and I guarantee you, the more like the, when you first start out, there are going to be a ton of times when you say like, man, I probably would have made this decision looking back on it. And then you start to have that foresight in the game of like, okay, I've been in a situation before. I know that this is the right play. So you start making those in the game better. And uh, navigating your decision tree correctly is how you're going to win more games. Yeah, I'm definitely... So I have like hundreds of hours into coaching. I've coached a lot of people from very brand new players to good players that just can't quite reach the better players. And so they wanted to jump from like, oh, I'm a master's player with zero LP to I want to be like a top 100 master's player. So I've coached all across. And the first thing I do every single time I play is I teach them two things. One is I teach them how to learn themselves. So that way they can just consistently go and they don't have to pay for a bunch of coaching until they actually get like really hard stuck. And then they can get coaching and say, okay, I, I can't, I can't figure it out on my own. Please help me. And then two is to change like a mentality. Which is also why a lot of adults, when you get into card games and into things like chess, like strategy games in general, the older you are, the harder it is to get better quickly if you don't have that mindset. Because a lot of adults are like, I'm playing like literal children's card game, like Pokemon, right? Is a literal children's card game. And so if you're this like 25, 26, 30 year old, you know, adult 
getting into this literal children's card game that some seven-year-old is going to be better than you at or that is playing. It can be very hard to have this mentality of like humility and like learning, like, okay, like, you know, you know better. I'm going to listen to you, even though you're some, you know, like 14-year-old kid on YouTube. Well, guess what? This 14-year-old kid has won, you know, tens of thousands of dollars playing this card game. And while you have, you know, double to triple their lifespan on them in this specific, you know, um, uh, in this specific art, like they know more than you. So you should learn from them. You should just like say like, okay, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to take away. And just doing that first part of accepting the fact that a 14 year old kid or someone way younger than you or someone that is not as successful as you in life, but they are better than you in this card game could teach you something. That mentality will help you out a lot. The mentality of like, stop blaming on outside factors, focus on yourself is the biggest thing. I always tell people that would tell me like, oh yeah, I was trying to play this game, but they just high rolled me and they drew better and I drew poorly. And does that happen? Yes, sometimes that's legitimately the reason. But I tell people if the only thing you took away from your loss is that they strictly drew better, you got unlucky and card games are about luck, then you're an even bigger loser for that game than you thought. Like not only did you lose that game, not only did you lose like your winning in or lose whatever, but you lost a lot of time. Like you would just straight up wasted time. If the only thing you took away from that whole tournament is that you got unlucky, you wasted hundreds of dollars, you wasted a plane trip, you wasted a weekend. Like you should go do something else with your time if all you're going to do is think, oh, I got unlucky. Oh, this thing happened to me. That isn't my fault. And you don't actively try to improve or think, how did I lose? What could I have done better? So that way the next time you play, you are better. And it's not just, oh, I'm going to go to this tournament and hope I don't get unlucky like the last 10 tournaments I went into. Like that mentality <laughs> will never get you anywhere. Like that won't let you win a tournament. If every time you go to a tournament, your takeaways are, I got unlucky, time for the next one. Hope I don't get unlucky again. Yeah. Like, m- mentality is a big thing. Mo coming in with the hard truths tonight. I love it. I uh, <laughs> You're an even bigger loser than you thought. Yeah, I, I spent for that <laughs> game. Like, like, you lost more from that game than just the, like, you know, LP or just your, like, you might think, oh, I lost t- uh, I lost a $1,000 money match because you missed out on top eight. It's like, no. You lost the $1,000 money match. You lost nine hours of your time from playing in the tournament. You lost your gas money. You lost your lunch money. Like, and then your entire day was just a waste. Like you just wasted your whole day away because you didn't actually learn anything from it. Yeah, and you didn't have fun sitting here complaining. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And, and you know, there are going to be games where your opponent just got lucky and you oh, just yeah. got unlucky. But I guarantee you it's not as high of a percentage yeah. as you think it is. <laughs> like, For sure. It's really not. Like, yes, there are bad beats. And yes, there mm-hmm. are games that you should have won. And they had their 12% chance to win. And they're going to get it, right? Mm-hmm. Just like you're going to get your 12%, they're going to be they're, they're going to get their 12%. And it's going mm-hmm. to happen. And, yep. and it's going to suck. But, you know, there's a... By the time this video comes out, there's going to be a super sick interview video on ccg hubs youtube channel with mo where he talks about how he handles his losses and it's a great way to handle your losses right like mm-hmm. you're gonna have 10 more in a in a, a day and you're gonna remember those more than you remember this one like it's not that big of a deal for sure um so yeah it, it starts i like what you said it starts with self-evaluation it starts with what can i be doing better i am clearly not making the best decisions like why how do you how do i change my thought process and that's the 100 percent the number one way to like getting better at anything not only card games just in general in life it's like the number one way to get better at things is just figuring out like what can i be doing better don't blame external sources mm-hmm. or or you know luck or whatever it's like no like 
I'm I need to put myself in the best position, best position to win, and I'm clearly not right now. So how do I start doing that? Yep. But one hundred percent. Awesome, awesome. Well, I think that about wraps it up for this episode of MetaMinds. So uh thanks again mo and also thank you to mm-hmm. all the, the fantastic listeners for hanging out this far if you haven't already had a chance to talk uh or sorry oh my gosh yeah i had a chance already to check out ccg hub make sure to go check it out ccghub.gg again ccghub.gg uh go check it out we are freshly launched this is going to be a week week and two days after launch so uh make sure to go check it out and join us again next Wednesday for our episode three. And we're going to be talking about how to evaluate cards and deck building. And uh, one of our, we actually talked about this last week, uh, one of our favorite upcoming topics is tech cards and what are those mm-hmm. and how do you do that? So yeah. that'll be next week is all about deck building and evaluating cards. Uh, so make sure to come back and check us out then. But uh, I hope you have a fantastic rest of your week. Mo, anything you want to leave the people with? Uh, stay hydrated. Stay hydrated. Stay hydrated and be good people. Yes. Also, uh, from from all of the view- viewers and listeners, to, from me to you, Mo, good luck this weekend. Go crush Thank it. Thank you. We'll try. Uh, we'll try. Go, go win it for us. <laughs> yeah, I'll put I'll put CCG on the map. I'll make sure in the winners interview, I'll just say, hey, go. I got everything I knew from CCG. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Awesome. All right. Have a fantastic rest of your day, everyone. And Mo, have a great night, and I'll talk to you later. Yes, sir.